0: Welcome to another episode of California's Best Teachers, where we learn from some of the best teachers California has to offer. Today we are speaking with Tim Smith, who was one of California's Teachers of the Year in 2014 and was nominated for National Teacher of the Year. Smith is a math teacher from Elk Grove, and he's got a lot to offer. Let's go meet Tim.
1: did you always know you wanted to be a teacher? You know, I think I I always had it in me to be a teacher. Uh, I remember in elementary school, we had a free period at the end of the day and we could either go out and play on the playground or we could go down that a room where kids were uh, in special ed. A lot of those kids had never played a game before. Um, They'd never um, play checkers or chess or anything. And there were a group of us that we would always choose to go down and teach these kids how to play games rather than go outside and play. And, and I just, I found that immensely satisfying. Um, and later on um, I went to community college right after high school and had the opportunity to go back and substitute for my fifth grade teacher. She had had a stroke. And so I, I took her uh, fifth grade class for two weeks. And it was amazing. I I loved the kids and I I never wanted to leave. Wow. Did, were,
0: were you always math inclined from the start? Is that how you went in the direction of math? I mean, was it something that you knew in high school that you wanted to study or?
1: No, actually I was, I was a chemistry major for a while. Um, and I grew up in Northern Florida and so, um, I'd always hoped to go to Florida state university or university of Florida in Gainesville. Um, but my family was very low income. Um, and so, Um, I graduated as valedictorian, but it didn't offer a full scholarship. uh, I had a full scholarship to the community college. Um, But during those years in the 80s, Ronald Reagan had um, put holds on student loans. And so it was very, very challenging to get student loans and enough money to go to college at the time. Um, And so my major then was chemistry. Okay. That was with the intention to teach or were you interested in different things as well? Actually, I had hoped to be an organic chemist. That was, okay. that was my ultimate goal. Interesting. So how did you, how did you
0: arrive at that?
1: Um, was that
0: something you discovered in high school?
1: Well, after I, I, I ended up dropping out of college a couple of times because I couldn't afford to pay for it. And so oh, I right. went into the army um, and this is during the cold war. So I spent two years in a combat unit um, in, on in West Germany. Um, oh, wow. Hoping to pay for college. And when I got out, um, there was a new program. It was in between the old GI Bill and the new GI Bill. It's called the VEEP program, and uh, supposedly I had enough money to pay for college. Well, that that was a failure, and so I dropped out yet again. Um, and then I worked for a while. I said I was never going to go back to college. You know, it was wasn't something that was meant for me. And then I married my training sergeant in the National Guard. <laughs> That's great. And then uh, she, I put her through school. Uh, we came back out here to Sacramento because she was from Sacramento. Okay, and I put her through school, and um, one day she came to me and she said, hey, do you want to go back to college? And I started all over again, and I she was a math teacher. And so I said, hey, I'll follow in her footsteps. And so I became a math teacher. Wow. You know, uh, the, so there's this theory. It, it
0: might be a pet theory of mine, or it might be, you know, I, I think I've read something peer-reviewed, so I'll just say that I have, um, about teachers who um, – have had a lot of life experience before they get into the classroom um, and that those teachers tend to be much more grounded and more stable. Would you, I mean, in, in the teachers you've met and your own experience, do you think that's had an impact or or has an impact on uh, kind of sorting out who, uh, who a quality
1: teacher is kind of life experience? Yeah. A number of the teachers that I've worked with over the years have had careers um, prior to coming into teaching And I think they're pretty good about establishing relationships earlier on. And and for me, uh, and that's one of the things we'll talk about a little later, but um, you're so in your early years, you're so interested in teaching content. I think as a a prior career person, um, particularly military, that you're not um, afraid of establishing those relationships. And I I know that both uh, my wife and I are, a lot of times we draw upon our military experience to, you know, handle classroom situations. And, um, yeah, I think there are a lot of outside factors that make you a better teacher, you know, um, if you've, if you've got a little bit of life experience behind you. Absolutely. Yeah. So I,
0: I was just thinking about that because, you know, there's a lot of young teachers that just, like you were saying, go into the classroom, you know, they're, they're maybe recently coming out of their undergrad studies, and they're, you know, 22 or 23, they're really excited and passionate about their content area. And they get into the classroom, and they're immediately faced with the reality that there are a bunch of kids that are not interested in learning what you have to teach. And you have to convince them of that. And oftentimes, there's management that goes along with that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is how how was how are your first couple years of teaching?
1: Well, I really was still focused on learning to teach math. And we had just switched over our curriculum um, back in 2001. Um, New textbooks, uh, new framework for California math. So there was a lot that I had to learn. Um, And then the Elk Grove district, which I teach in, um, was growing rapidly. So they added several new high schools. A lot of our teachers went over to start those high schools. And so six months after I got my teaching credential, I became department chair. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And it was it was tremendous being a department chair, hiring new teachers, mentoring new teachers when I was fresh out of college myself. Um but I was 39 years old, so that did help. Um Yeah, what what but, were you looking for when
0: you were hiring these teachers kind of as a as a as a new teacher yourself were there certain things from your military background that you were kind of using as a framework or what 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 uh, what drew these
1: teachers to you that you chose? Well, um one of the Things about our school is that we're one, we're are the lowest income, or we're the lowest income school in all of Sacramento County. Uh, we have a very diverse population. Florin High School has uh, twenty-one primary languages, and so for a teacher to teach there, you ha- you have to be special. Um, you have to really want to get in and love those kids and develop relationships, uh, learn new cultures. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing the skills that are required to be successful. In an environment like that. I mean, you really have to want to teach. You have to love the kids. You can't be in it for for anything else but that. And so those teachers that came in um, during those early years when I was department chair, a lot of them have, like you said earlier, they were from um, other careers and they had that empathy already. They, you know, couldn't wait to get into the classroom and to, to be that mentor, that father figure, that mother figure. And so I think most of the new teachers that we had in the math department in those earlier years kind of fit that description. And we just had an amazing team. Wow.
0: That's such a unique opportunity to really kind of build a build your own cohort of people that you're going through this with. And I think that kind of leads me to my next thought, which was, you know, a lot of a lot of younger teachers can feel alone in the difficulties um, of the first few years in the classroom. I'm a, I'm a middle school teacher, so I have, I have a, a, a unique, uh, a unique world where new teachers walk into and that can be quite terrifying at first. Um, did you have some challenges your first couple years in terms of dealing with kids and just kind of adapting to
1: the classroom? Uh, yeah, I remember my uh, first year I was teaching and I put four young men uh, in the back of the classroom to work together, two pairs uh, of young men and the next thing I know I had two fights going on in the back of the classroom and I didn't <laughs> know, but they were, they were on opposed, in opposing gangs oh, and I geez. didn't know which ones are in opposing gangs. And so I followed <laughs> like protocol that like you were taught, you know, divide them up and get them outside. But when I sent two kids outside, they just happened to be in opposing gangs and they were, continued to fight outside while I had oh, a fight my inside. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, and just, uh, you know, and, uh, a lot of it I should have been able to rec- recognize, but I just didn't have that that with itness that, you know, you get after a few years of teaching, you know, be able to recognize, hey, there's some tension here. You know, I'm, you know, make sure that that these kids work well together. And uh, right. I just didn't have that. I was so focused on the content. Right. Right. So what what uh, was it just experience that
0: helped you get through that or patience, or did you have an administrator that was kind of a mentor at that point?
1: Yeah, I, I had actually I was very fortunate to have uh, several good administrators along the way that that took me in. And and, uh, you know, I, one of them pointed his finger one time he came in and he goes, hey, you know, uh, he evaluated me. He said, you know, but you got to do something about the kid that was sleeping in your class. I was like There was no one sleeping in my class. I was horrified, you <laughs> know, and uh, and, uh, and he goes, yeah, there was. And then and I had totally missed it. The kid was on the other side of the projector and I, and I had spent my whole time, you know, teaching content and didn't recognize that this kid was asleep right there in front of the, the guy that was evaluating me. Oh gosh. You know, um, well, that's, that's and, good that the administrator
0: was like using it as a moment, not like a, I got you, you know, cause that's, I think young teachers can be really afraid of those initial evaluations that, that come along that they're, you know, kind of a moment to, you know, you don't want to be caught doing something or,
1: you know, you know what I mean? And, and I think as you, you, get more and more experience. And if an administrator walks in, you're kind of looking for that. Hey, is there anyone here not doing what they're supposed to? I am, is everyone engaged? And I think you're able to put together lessons that, that engages everyone. Um, but it, it still does come down to relationships. I honestly think so. I think if that kid had, a, had a relationship with me, he wouldn't have been asleep, you know, or at least I would have been able to recognize, Hey, I need to move him up to the front of the classroom. And I'm sure there were a lot of those signs early on that I missed, you know, if, yeah. if a kid's not getting enough sleep at night or coming from a dysfunctional family or, or if I'm just not reaching the, you know, the student, you know, what can I do? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, we're going to talk about
0: math for a little bit. Um, so math, uh, math teachers, uh, you guys, you guys have a, a challenging task because a lot of people assume at a young age that they just don't like math. Um, they they have a bad test or a teacher that's not supportive, or they you know fall behind in a class, and before you know it, you hear that horrible phrase, "I'm just not good at math." Um, so what 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 is it like to be a math teacher, and what what do you do
1: with those people that just say,
0: no, "I'm just not good at math"?
1: Well, and it goes back to having a, a career. You know, or a bunch of jobs before I became a teacher. I really appreciate the um, having the opportunity to teach math because a lot of times in my in my life doors were closed to me because um, I, I couldn't do the math or I wasn't qualified enough. Um, I was a purchasing manager for a while, um, but because I didn't have a degree, I couldn't move up. But it required a lot of math, and uh, the more um, the more knowledgeable I was about the uh, math. The more um, freedom I had in my job and the more that people trusted me. So math wasn't always like my best subject. As a matter of fact, I think I, I probably did better in English um, and I struggle in math in math. But um, I've always had that appreciation. A lot of kids like Mr. Smith, I'm never going to like math. And I was like, well, I'm not asking you, John, but I do want you to appreciate the role it's going to have in your life and the success of your life. You know, I want you to be good at it. You may never like it. That's not something I can ever you know, make somebody do, I can do my very best to show you the beauty in it, but um, you know, I'm not out to, I'm not out to make you like it, but I, you know, my, and I guess my, even from early on, my goal was when a student left my class, they weren't afraid to take another math class. They weren't afraid to look at math in a book and say, Hey, I hate math or I can't do math. And um, even in my class today, you're not allowed to say that you're not allowed to say, you know, um, I'm not good at math and I, I'm not good at math yet. I mean, that's Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like, do you feel like there's, I mean, I, I had this
0: experience. So in, in my high school, I, my, my math teacher and I had him, I guess, accidentally two years in a row and he was a, he was kind of a retired, um, uh, former JPL employee, rocket scientist with USC degrees and just, you know, brilliant guy. And I had this feeling as a kid that it was easy for him and it wasn't easy for me. And so this, this kind of dichotomy of like, I have to work to get this, whereas it's so easy for you. So I kind of feel like what you're describing is that you had to go through that same challenge of understanding. and It didn't just automatically come to you. Um, whereas I feel like a lot of my math teachers, like it's just, it's just their thing. And so you just kind of feel that like, well, you just get it, you know, you just get it.
1: Do you kind of, do you, under, do you see yeah. what I'm describing? And I think that everyone in my house, uh, my wife and my two sons are better at math than I am. I mean, you know, we, my wife's a math teacher. Um, uh, my oldest son uh, went to school for engineering and my youngest son's a, a musician. So that's taken calculus and, and, you know, we all really appreciate math. And sometimes we would have, at the dinner table, we'd have to say, Hey, you know, we have to stop doing math around the table, but they were always better than me and, um, I always felt like I had to work for it. Um, I'm a mathlete's coach now, and I oh, also cool. coordinate um, Elk Grove Middle School mathletes. So we host those competitions there at Florin High School. Um, and so we have about 200 kids come over every other month, and we host math competitions. And I write the questions. And it's not always easy for me because I want, I want to make sure I have questions that that motivate the kids, that they find fun, that's challenging. But I wasn't always the best, and I'm not. I, I've never been that person that has been able to just sit there and, and knock out a math problem, you know, really quickly. And I, I, I admire our mathletes math because they can do a really tough math problem or two in ten minutes. And me, I'll take it home and work on it all evening, you know. So, um, right. It's just well, that's, such, I do, that's, I, I do that's such that that a
0: challenge. cool. That's such a cool place to be as a teacher, though, because uh, I feel like students can relate to you in that way, you know, then then that my my description of my math teacher who just seemed like uh, that Russell Crowe character from A Beautiful Mind where I'm just like, well, I, you know, I mean, great. That's great for you. I guess you're a savant and I'm just going to, I'm just going to muddle through this class. So um, are there, are there specific challenges that um, teaching math has had recently? I mean, I know that there's, you know, common core is kind of like like old news, but are, are there, are there certain challenges that, you're facing as a math teacher, you know, with, with how kids use phones. I know that there's like, there's these apps where kids can take pictures of problems. And, you know, there's, there's a bunch of new technology out there that's changing, at least at my middle school, the way they do math is, are you having similar issues or things that are going on for you at the high school
1: level? Uh, We do. We, uh, of course, cell phone issues is um, always out there, you know, having the kids put it away. Uh, But um and I, I'm I'm a bit older than a lot of the other teachers. And I don't want to be that person who says, Hey, put away the cell phones and they're of no use in this class. That's ridiculous because right, right. um they're such a part of every every kid now. You know, if you you'll come off as some old fogey or some dinosaur if, if you don't acknowledge that 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 place that cell phones and technology has in their life. So I try to incorporate as much technology as I can into the, the classroom. Um If students need to use their cell phone, you know, we have certain we have certain like codes that we use in the class. They can flip their phone up, you know, so I see the screen and then they can they're allowed to use it. So they don't have to raise their hand and say, hey, can I use my cell phone to look at my notes from a previous class? Um, We also have um, if you have to text someone or to take a call, I trust that it's important enough that you get up during the lesson and step off to the side of the room or to step outside of the classroom. And, um, and, and other teachers have said before, wow, you give your students a lot of freedom with their cell phone, but I've had this policy now for four years and I have not had any serious abuses of the problem. I don't have a kid that's stepping out every five minutes. I don't have someone that's, you know, that that's texting all the time off to the side of the classroom. Um, and so the, you know, I, I tell the kids, look, I trust you to use your judgment and not interrupt my lesson. And know where we're coming from, you know, with the use of technology in the classroom. And so you just have to keep reiterating that policy sometimes every day to say, hey, you know, what's the policy in the classroom? Oh, sorry, Mr. Smith. I'm going to step off to the other side and I'll use my phone. You know, or hey, can I? A lot of kids take pictures of the board. Do your, do your kids do that? Do they take pictures of the notes on the board and then use them for later? Kind of. You know,
0: we have um, what it, it kind of leads me to this sidebar of, you know, you're, what you're describing is this not like it just feels like there's people swing between these polar, polar ends of, you know, either rejected outright, you know, I don't want to see a phone ever, or, you know, just let the kids, let the phone babysit the kids. And it feels like a lot of people swing between those pendulum, pendulum swings back and forth. Um, I've tried, I've tried to incorporate it, but my school is more on the restrictive side. Um, And so there's, there's not been a lot that I've been able to achieve with using phones, just because, you know, if my administrator walks in and I, all the kids are <laughs> using their phones, it's given the kind of the uh, climate of the school around technology, it can be a little, it could put me in a awkward situation. So I, I, I wish I could have the classroom that you're describing. And also my kids, you know, their executive functioning
1: in middle school is not quite at the high school level. So there's that too. But And I teach uh, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And, okay. I, I see the, and I see those issues a lot more with freshmen. You know, the right. constant reminding and have to remind them when it's, when it's appropriate. And one of the things that I have found, though, I, I try to I, I teach AVID um, and my ninth graders are AVID um, students. And I try to develop that relationship with them. And I'm very frank, frank with them. i I'm, It's like this year is my evaluation year. And so I know that I'm going to be visited several times by administrators coming in to observe my class. And most of the time it's unannounced. I'm OK mm-hmm. with that. But I tell the students, have I, have I in any way done something to you where you would be willing to use your phone in an inappropriate way or be on a Chromebook in an inappropriate site where you would actually get me in trouble? Because I know when the administrator walks in, they're going to write me up as soon as they see that you're, you know, you're surfing the internet or you're playing a video game. And so I have that relationship with the kids, or at least I I, I believe I do, where they would not want me to be in trouble. I mean, I respect them enough and they respect me enough. And so it's not, it's not perfect, but I, you know, I see a lot of the kids will police each other and they'll say, Hey, you need to be off of there because someone came in and saw you on that. Mr. Smith would be in trouble. You know, That's, that's, that's so
0: powerful. That's amazing. I mean, I, to, to speak to your students and be vulnerable in that way with them and kind of speak to them like adults. I think, I think a lot of teachers need to you know, think through that lens a little bit, and, and and how that makes kids
1: feel empowered and respected when you talk to them that way. And it's um, well, and it goes back to that social emotional, um, you know, that investment that I think a lot of teachers are required to make now. You know, we've we've had a lot of uh, changes to Ed Code policy as far as discipline. You just don't send a student outside the classroom all period and let them stand there, um, you know, or you, you don't send them on a referral automatically. I think a lot of the, the um, responsibilities come back on the teachers that you use, like that pyramid of interventions. You know, what have you done really to, like, develop a relationship to that student? Have you had a conference with that student? Have you talked to the student's parents? Have you talked to the student's other teachers? You know, before you send that student out and alienate that student, kind of destroy that relationship, you know, what have you done to establish it? Because that whole line of communication is going to save you in the end when that student's having a bad day or, you know, or they're getting lost in the classroom and they're afraid to, to, to voice, you know, um, their confusion or whatever. That relationship that you have with them is just it's everything. Yeah. And that kind of that that different lens kind of
0: leads me to my next question, which is um, as you've kind of moved, moved moved along in your career, how have your, your goals and
1: your objectives
0: and your mindsets changed about, you know, being a teacher in a classroom with
1: kids? You know, earlier on I had administrators tell me, Hey, look, you're not going to reach every kid. There are some kids that are going to be like fall through the cracks that are going to be failures. And I've never accepted that, man. It, it bothers me to like no end. And it keeps me awake at night because I just, I, 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 I don't believe it. I mean, I, we have kids that are so dysfunctional. Their parents are in prison that, you know, they, they, they're, they're homeless. Uh, we have a certain portion of our kids that are couch surfers. I mean, you know, they have a different place to go almost every night staying with someone. I mean, those kids come in angry and frustrated. I mean, how can you possibly write those kids off? I mean, and so you just, you develop ways of like, um, not being, you know, for, for me, the, you know, the the white guy at the front of the classroom, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I need to be more than that. And, and no matter, you know, what color or culture you are, I, I need to fit in somehow or another and I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to tell you that and I'm going to understand everything about your culture, but I'm going to respect it and appreciate it, you know. And at the beginning of the year, I tell students, I said, look, if I ask you to step outside the door, it means I need to talk to you privately. I said it might be for good or for bad, but I'm not going to send you to the office. And I've had students say, "Hey, just so send me to the office." I said, "It doesn't work that way in my class." We're gonna we're gonna go outside, and a lot of times, you know, we'll both end up teary eyed, and I'll give the person a hug. We'll come back in, you know, because it's they're not mad at me, you know, they're they're mad at at society, they're mad at their you know, boyfriend or girlfriend or mom and dad who's fussed at them in the morning, you know. So we as teachers. And I think you were talking about how I've grown and moved on. I recognize that quicker as a young teacher, yeah. I'd be offended more. And I take it very personally that it was someone was attacking me or my classroom or my ability to teach, you know? And so my response to that behavior was not appropriate. Yeah. Well,
0: I, and I, I think what you're, you're, you're kind of describing the opposite journey of, I see a lot of older teachers who get, who get jaded. What, I mean, what, What do you think has kept has led you down the opposite road of of having more compassion uh, the older you get in your
1: career? Well, um, I think that uh, one of the things is that teaching AVID, um, that's a very that's a very social, emotional type um, class because you're trying to get those kids who um, they're not at risk, but they come from families who are not typically uh, uh college going families, a lot of them are most of them are actually first time, uh, college students, first generation college students. Um, and relationships is everything in Abbott. I mean, you have I, we we loop with our kids in Abbott, so um, I'll have, I'll have those kids for four years, and uh, then I just graduated my last my first uh seniors last year, and so now I have freshmen this year, but um, within the first few weeks of school, the kids were already referring to me as their avid dad. And I said, Hey, I, I, I'm willing to take that responsibility. And so I've opened up my wallet to those kids. I've opened up my heart to those kids. Um, you know, I have high expectations and I make that clear every day that look, you're going to be taking honors and AP classes. You're going to apply to college. You're going to, you know, you're going to do every, all those things that get you into college. So, I, I honestly, I think that maybe Avid had saved me because you're right. As we get older, we get kind of into our routine of teaching whatever content we are and we lose that, that connection with the kids. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying everybody does, but you, you and I both probably have seen that, you know, as we go along and wish that those, those the older or the more experienced teachers would be willing to kind of like get down on their knee a little bit next to their desk and talk to that student and kind of establish that connection.
0: Yeah. All right. We're going to change gears a little bit and talk about millennials, which is everyone's favorite topic. Um, and I, I just kind of wanted to talk about new teachers. You know, I mean, there's a a whole generation of boomers who are retiring, and so they're, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, there, there are big needs for people to step into the profession. Are you noticing things about? Uh, new teachers that are coming into the profession, certain things about them, not necessarily negative or positive, but just uh, different, uh, this newest generation of teachers.
1: Well, I'm looking at it through a different lens because I am older and, you know, more experienced now, but um, mm-hmm. those kid, the kids that are coming in now, the younger ones. All right. And mm-hmm. we do have, we have, do have older teachers coming in that it's their second profession, but I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to address the ones that are younger now. Um, right. They, uh, I'm a master teacher for uh, Sacramento state university. And so, okay. um, the, I think that the students that are coming in, the student teachers that are coming in now, um, do have more empathy. I think that the, our society and maybe the credentialing program has emphasized those relationships more than perhaps, um, it did when I came through, or maybe I just missed that part. Um, so for me, it was all about being a great content teacher, but now, uh, those, those, uh, teachers come in that are, you know, fresh out of the, the degree program, they, are uh, they're ready to establish the relationships. A lot of times they'll take on clubs and be class advisors, you know, really quickly right on. And you see the kids started getting attached to them. Um, so I, I really do think that that they are probably more empathetic and have that, uh, a more of a social emotional connection than perhaps it was 19 years ago when I started teaching.
0: Do you think one of the challenges that they struggle with is over, uh, spreading themselves too far and burning out
1: because you're describing that them was, taking on a lot it, of things. That was one of the things I was hoping to be able to say tonight, because I have seen that in order to establish relationships with your students. And I have uh, about 180 students. Mm-hmm. That emotional con- connection is draining. You know that. I mean, yeah, by the end of yeah. the year, you feel like something's been taken from you and we expect our new teachers to come in and immediately establish that, you know, social emotional connection and that investment with those students, but I I don't really think that um, people higher up in education, the ones who are establishing the programs and um, that are setting the expectations for teachers, realize just how draining that is. Or or and I you you know I think you mentioned it earlier on. There is there is a certain risk by establishing relationships with students like that because it keeps you awake at night. You know you you worry a lot about their their emotional well-being as we should, you know, before you worry about the content or the extent of your lesson. It's like, not, I, you know, for me, a lot of times it's, well, that person failed the test. It's not as much about their acceptance of the, uh, the content for me. It's like, okay, what was that problem that was causing that? Is there any way that I can speak with that student, you know, so that they're more willing to listen to me or to understand the, com- the, the content or to put behind them whatever happened that morning. I mean, you know, we all we always say we want those students to walk in the door and forget and lay all their problems aside, and it just doesn't happen. You know, they bring it in the door with them, and as yeah. um, as teachers, I think more and more we expect those new teachers to have that relationship, and with every student. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Yeah,
0: that's that's. I mean, there's you know, there's lots of things you could talk about. You know, in terms of. You know, boundaries and, uh, you know, self-care and different, different things like that. And it becomes tricky, you know, it becomes tricky to have that much vulnerability and that much, uh, attachment to your students. And I, you know, I struggle with that sometimes and yeah, I mean, you can, it, it just almost want, it almost leads you to just want to swing back and say, you know, I can't do this. I can't do this. Absolutely. So. Um, so I, I guess we will wrap up with this question. This is probably going to lead us to, to really talk for a while, um, just about teacher training. Um, so if you, um, were charged with designing an induction course, you know, I mean, we all know what those induction courses are like. They can be, you know, a combination of PowerPoint presentations, busy work, and then, the occasional mind numbing meeting. Um, if we wanted to revamp it, uh, given, you know, the challenges that teachers are going to face today, uh, how, how would you do it? And what would you focus
1: on? Well, I've been thinking about, you know, something like that for a while. And I, I met with my last student teacher, uh, yesterday for lunch. It was the first time I'd seen him in a while. And he's uh, been teaching uh, this is his second year. And, mm-hmm. um, as we were leaving, I I said, Hey, you know, was, was there anything that I gave you as a master teacher, you know, that's helping you now? Um, because he came in really prepared. He's, you know, he's, he's in his twenties, mid twenties. And, uh, I, sometimes I wonder as a master teacher, did I really impart anything to him? And, you know, he says, Hey, Mr. Smith, you know, I wanted you to know that, um, one thing that I carry with me is the empathy that you had in your class um, a lot of teachers I see, you know, it's not evident, um, but you gave it to me and I feel like, you know, I'm a better teacher because of that. And so I think that if I were to establish a, a credentialing class, uh, you know, one that, that they'd either take after they got their credential, like, a, you know, like BITSA or something like that, it would be right a, ro- a role playing class. And, um, I would have, you know, you up at the front of the classroom and I'd have a kid walk in all sulking. and maybe kicked a chair, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have, I'd practice those, those scenarios over and over and over again before a teacher ever walked in the classroom, you know? So, you know, and, and we would just, we try to cover as many of those things as we could, you know, have someone come in that, Maybe it's disheveled and looked abused, or maybe that someone that come in and looked like they slept on the cla on the floor that night, or maybe someone that is coming in and is extremely happy. I mean, you know, how do you deal with you know like extreme joy and stuff like that, where they're so distracted by other things outside? I mean, it's there's there's all these different feelings that kids have and the way they act and the way they walk in the door. Um, maybe at your school, so sometimes the girls will walk in and they have makeup on and they look especially dressed up that day um, at our school. It means it's probably their birthday or there's something going on like that. And, and yeah. somebody needs to recognize that. And sometimes the girls go all day without someone saying anything to them, you know? Um, and it's very important. I mean, there, there are signs particularly, I mean, you're in middle school. So the, 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 the kids are in puberty and they're, they're looking for that social acceptance and stuff like that. and, Maybe as teachers, we're the only ones that are going to give them that kind of, you know, we're going to validate who they are that day. Um yeah. and So I th- I think a, I think a course where we just constantly go over that and see those those possibilities, those scenarios and react to them. And, you know, I, I think that would prepare students probably better than, than I had.
0: Yeah. It kind of sounds like what you're describing is, reminds me of one of my favorite teachers from college who was, uh, uh, his name was Fulker and he was my, my German teacher. And he was a, he was an actor. He's in a theater troupe in Germany before he moved to the States. And he really brought this kind of performative approach to the classroom. And I remember having coffee with him and he said, all great teachers are great actors, you know, in some ways. And so as in the kind of the, what you're describing in role-playing just kind of reminds me of that. It just is this idea that, you know, we, this, we are, you know, we are performing in in a lot of ways in front of these students and we need to think about what we do, our gestures, our facial expressions, how, you know, the tone that we use uh, has a lot of impact.
1: And for me, like I've had a freshman class that has been very frustrating that I didn't feel like they were learning at the level that I wanted to, my expectations weren't being met. And so, and then suddenly the next class, I have AP statistics, a bunch of seniors who are just fantastic do their homework all the time and they'll say why are you talking to us that way and i was like oh man it's just because whatever i had in my freshman class i'm carrying with me to this next class and there's 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 a very different conversation you have with seniors than you do with freshmen and and vice versa um and i think that as young teachers we need to practice that i think we need to, to get on the stage and act it out and just to see it time and time again And so when we're put in the classroom and it's real that it it seems familiar to us, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. This is, this has been really great. And, um, for those who are afraid of math, what would you say
1: to them as a final, final word? It's, um, it's beautiful. I mean, if you dig deep enough into it, it's a, it's a dance. It's out there everywhere you look. Um, it's you can't hide from it. Um, and, uh, I think everybody is, is capable of appreciating, you know, where it exists in their lives. If you just look, you know, and, and I'd also like to say that teaching is the greatest profession in the world. We need to get so many people out there. It's, it's so rewarding. Absolutely.
0: And that's, it's in part why we're doing this podcast is a kind of a, a, uh, remote form of, of, of recruitment, but also professional development to keep people in the profession and recruit more. And I appreciate you coming on to talk to me, Tim. Well, thanks for allowing this opportunity for me to speak. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this podcast. Tim was awesome to talk to. And if you like him, you'll love our great lineup of guests that we have planned out for the next couple months. Uh, I'm trying to find the best and the most interesting teachers to give you uh, the most insights about the profession. Um, I really see this as a form of professional development, learning from master teachers. Uh, Learning their skills, their insights, and the way they see the classroom can benefit every teacher,
1: so stay tuned.